Welcome to What in the Mental Health Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Brandon Rice. And I'm Amber Guzman. And we are sharing conversations about the mind, body, and soul. Welcome to episode two of What in the Mental Health. We are here today. Hey, Amber, what's up? Good morning, Brandon. Good morning. Good morning. Start the day. Yeah. Uh, Today, what we want to talk about is we want to give you a little background on both of us. So we'll do a little introduction, how we got started on this mental health journey, and um, just basically what our backgrounds look like. Yeah, we wanted everyone to kind of get to know us and understand who we are and why we're on this journey together. Right, absolutely. So we're going to go right ahead and uh, we're going to start with Amber's journey first, and then we'll get into my journey uh, afterward. So uh, um, okay. Yeah. So for me, you know, going way back, uh, <clears throat> I was born in the San Fernando Valley and I was, uh, the second child. And when I was four, my brother passed away. I had a brother that was a year older mm-hmm. and he was hit by a car. He was playing at a friend's house and, um, it was just devastating because he was, we were so connected. And as little kids, this is something that I didn't really know how to process. Right. And the same time that my brother was passing, my other brother was being born. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot in my family of, um, you know, loss and then yet joy because a new boy was coming and it never would replace. But I always felt this need and looking back at myself that I just didn't want to make a problem for my family mm-hmm. that like they had enough going on that it was just like, keep it together, Amber. And all of a sudden I'm the older sister. And anyway, there was some alcoholism in my family. Um, my parents ended up having another child. So I had two brothers and my parents ended up divorcing. And then we, my mom had decided to move us from the San Fernando Valley to Escondido, California, which was down south. And this was really difficult for me because all my friends and just everything, it was a very difficult time. I was in sixth grade and my mom remarried and stepkids were on the scene. And it was just, I'm, I'm a cancer and I like everything. I like my home and everything as is and comfortable. And I was in lots of states of change. And we moved a lot at that time too, even though we moved to Valley Center, we were in like four different homes in that time. And mm. so it was just like, Amber gets settled, move again. Amber gets settled, move again. Yeah. And in a way it taught me a lot of resilience, but I remember by the age of 15, after going through a lot of change, I was always worried and thinking and in my head and I ended up meeting a a boyfriend in high school and we ended up smoking pot and it was the greatest thing for me at that time because it eased my mind. It got my mind. I can just remember feeling this feeling where I was moving energy and my mind for the first time, I was like, I don't have to think about all this stuff. And it took me down a bad road for a few years and I knew it's not the journey that I wanted, but at the time it was what I needed to just sort of find myself or go down a dark road Mm -hmm. to then realize another road. And I moved back to my father's when I was 19 or 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And 
and it was my mom ended up divorcing that that stepfather who was a great man but it ended up just taking me to again another change and moving back to the San Fernando Valley and hooking up with some old friends that were not doing the right thing at that time the 94 earthquake had happened and lots of homes where it was just crazy we were in the epicenter of this earthquake so but I started to wake up after and realize that I did not want to go down a journey of drugs and I kept even trying to move myself out of the valley to get away from it and I moved myself to Venice California which was not a very good choice either but just when your mindset is at a certain place no matter where you go these things are going to show up and right. I just kept going down the wrong road even though I wanted a different road and my mom one day said let's go um, on a trip and I went to Arizona for a few days and I just realized I, I can't go I can't do this mm. so I was managing a really cool store in Santa Monica I was working at Fred Siegel as a manager at a very young age but I was doing drugs and how I old sleep. about how, how old were you during this time I was 19 okay and I was managing Fred Siegel and I was doing drugs and during my lunch break I wanted to sleep and I was just trying to keep it all together and I just couldn't and one day after lots of this cycle repeating I just decided that I've got to make a change and my mom and I decided to move actually I skipped the part that I even went through rehab so mm. I did go through rehab stayed there for a couple of months and was doing well Nice. And then end up getting out and sure enough, meet, meet a guy and go down the wrong road again. Mm. And after a couple of months of this, I realized I can't do this anymore. And I moved to Tahoe, Lake Tahoe and lived in my aunt and uncle's basement. I had $300 to my name and I started snowboarding mm. and I worked at a resort there and I didn't realize that snowboarding was going to save my life. And sadly, the, the guy that I was dating at that time died of a drug overdose, mm. but I, um, and it, it stays with me all the time that I turned the road, like that I went down a different road yeah. and I started snowboarding every day and it was hard, but it gave me a purpose. And this is why I know for me, I'm so driven every day with having some sort of purpose, some sort of athletic purpose that gets me up because I need that rush. Mm -hmm. And the crazy part is why life, when you're on the right path and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or just trusting in the universe, I ended up inheriting $10,000 two months after that from wow. an uncle that I didn't even know. Mm. And the stipulation was that it was supposed to be used for school. I begged my mother to let me have a plane ticket to New Zealand because I met a person from New Zealand. And I, it allowed me, I worked really hard, saved my money. And I had a plane ticket to New Zealand. That was the only money that I could use out of that $10,000. Mm -hmm. But I got to New Zealand and I kept snowboarding and I ended up doing three years of snowboarding back and forth winter to winter because it was opposite seasons. Mm -hmm. So I could just keep snowboarding. And it got me off that path of where I wanted to just hide and run away and calm those thoughts through bad things versus a purpose and waking up every day and having something to do that was positive for myself. So mm. that's carried through me through my life because that was 20, 
I'm dating myself, but that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I stayed on the right road since then. And it led me to then eventually, um, you know, meeting my, my husband. But before that, I always just knew I would do yoga or I'd get hooked into something because it gave me a place to be in a community. Mm-hmm. And um, with my husband and we've, we've had children and, and I've throughout the whole time, like I said, I had one day where I would do the gym and then it became two days and three days and then it became Spartan racing. And now it's my community of girls that we hike with and we have our place to be all the time and I need it. And so it's not just the athleticism, it's mm-hmm. the community, it's the purpose, like where I ended up hiking Mount Whitney last summer. I ended up backpacking just two months or a month ago in Catalina Island. And it was like getting the gear and planning it out and knowing what I'm doing and having this purpose of something different and new is what uh, uh, keeps me alive. In addition to starting this podcast, Brandon and I have talked about this forever and he always wanted to do it. And I always wanted to do it. And it was like, Hey, let's just do this together. And it just ignited to this organic like purpose for both of us that is exactly what we needed at this moment yeah and sharing a bit about because I know I've been talking a lot but meeting Brandon was about 20 years ago when I was living in Valencia and just starting my pregnancy with my daughter so when I met Brandon he was living with um Michael Maddox and he they just became my friends and I was always connected with Brandon but not as connected as I was with his dad or I don't know the word to say stepfather stepfather yes and but Brandon and I always stayed in touch and over the years um Michael had passed and Brandon and I always had a soul connection and we've stayed in touch through everything and Brandon and I have a connection that is like a brother. And in a way, even though he's younger than me, it's that feeling that I had with my brother that passed. Brandon gives me that. It gives me chills talking about it because we've never said this before. Mm -hmm. But it's like a feeling for me that I was missing, but that you fulfill and that we truly care about each other and want the best for each other. And it's in this loving way that is so platonic, but also so like each other's cheerleaders of never judging and just supporting each other and meeting each other where we are. And I've seen you go down some roads that have been hard for you that I've been there and we will always, I feel be, be each other's, you know, soul connection of a brother, sister feeling And I just know what it's evolved to and how special it is for me and that here we are. So I kind of summed up a lot my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) 10 minutes. So it's kind of quick. But anyway, is that any questions, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I I, want to just, I want to say towards for the last part that you just said, like, I definitely feel the same way. And I will get into that in, in my intro. Um, in terms of the brother sister and the connection, it it is it is strong and it's it's been so pivotal in my growth and I feel like in our growth, right? Um, but I'll save that um, in terms of how I feel on the on the back end of my intro. But your story, um, thank you for sharing. It's it's a courageous story. 
in the beginning when you were discussing what you've been through it was like what i what i was feeling was like it was a whirlwind and it's like wow man that's a lot to deal with so fast and so young and um that was the first time hearing me hearing about your your older brother at least at least i think it was you know my memory sometimes but um that is a lot to deal with and it doesn't sound like there was a place for you to process that through when you were young um so what you've been through that whirlwind and then how it came about to where you i feel like there are themes and i love themes um one theme was community another theme was movement moving your body and then the other theme was purpose you found purpose in snowboarding you found a community in snowboarding and with that you've come to be and you're continuing to be your best self and i thought it was it was very well like organized and said and it's just you've been through a lot and you're so courageous for what you do and i'm proud of you and yeah, I know your family's then. proud of you. And, um, <laughs> I mean, there's so many other things like which will come out in time because, yeah. you know, where you think about it, like where I did put myself through school and I yeah. work, you know, I forget to share that I work and two kids and how beautiful the journey is also because of sharing how everything is more at ease these days, like where I have consistency with my husband. He shows yeah. up. He's all, he's a man that does what he says. And yes, we have our plenty of moments, which I'm sure you guys will hear throughout the, this mental health podcast, because we've been together nearly 21 years. So it's right. a long time. And, yeah. but there's something in the everyday, you know, structure and like, yet it's a simpleness where when I was younger, it was a lot of chaos and moving and, and as much as it's good because of it taught me that no matter where I am, I can be strong and mm -hmm. I can make a friend. I can pick myself up and I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. No matter what, I'm going to be okay. And yeah. that's the part that allows me to not be afraid of change or afraid of variety or uncertainty that yeah. I actually crave a little uncertainty these days. This is why I set a real a goal. Sometimes it's tough, you know, mm -hmm. that carrying a 40 pound pack when I have a messed up shoulder and just little things, it, it, it drives me though and ignites me. So through the chaos, which there was good moments too, I have to always share that because right. I don't want to feel like I didn't share good things. I was introduced to certain spiritual practices through my mom when I was mm -hmm. young and burning sage and crystals around me and going through the Med she had, it was um, dating a medicine man. And so I did a lot of um, sage, uh, like sweat lodge. And oh, nice. um, so through my tough times, there was always a light that I was going towards. And I yeah. feel like that's just the essence of who I am, that there's going to be chaos in life through, for all of us, but that I'm always going to find that light. And whatever that light is, that morning routine, whatever that is, this podcast, that we stay in our light and that we balance that, that we can't stay in that dark side, that we're right. pulling to the light. And that when that pendulum, when it gets too far over one side, we're swinging it back to that light. So 
Anyway, I want to hear about yeah, you, Brandon. That was, that was great. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Uh, for me, my intro, since we're, I, I wasn't going to go that deep, but <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's Do what this podcast, right. that's what this flow, podcast right? is about, right? Um, so the being vulnerable and for me, I was, I was born in, uh, I was actually born in, uh, West LA and, uh, at Kaiser in West LA. And I was most of my life, uh, raised in Pasadena. Um, I come from a divorced home as well. And my upbringing, I felt was also somewhat of a whirlwind not as not as much um and it, not not to compare but i'm just trying to be like all right where where do i want to go with this um, and it's okay just do what yeah. flows you yeah. know like because more will be revealed when you're comfortable and right. it's just trust that the words will flow and um when i was when i was growing up uh, i i guess i'll start with the the relationship i have with my father um, I didn't really feel much. Uh, I'm, I'm the second. And so I'm, I'm the middle child. And in terms of what I felt for my father, I didn't feel that I was connected to him. I didn't feel that, um, in terms of what the quintessential father is or was like, I didn't have that connection for whatever reason. And he was, he was present. If you, if you looked from the outside, he was there in terms of, he was at baseball. We were at Boy Scouts and he, he was there, but I didn't feel it emotionally. Right. And so when my parents divorced, I didn't on the surface or being aware of it, I didn't really feel anything. I was like, he wasn't, you know, it's for whatever reason, I was like, he wasn't there anyway. So it's like uh, my, my life doesn't really change. He worked night shift and he, he slept a lot during the day. And it was a, he was, he was a great provider. That's what my mom will say. Um, but in my experience, I can't speak for my brothers, but in my experience, I just didn't have that. And I say that to say, um, there was a point in time when uh, my stepfather came around and um, I ended up moving in with him. He didn't have a relationship with uh, my mother in in that way, in terms of them dating or anything like that. And maybe on a different podcast, I'll get into the the whole details of all this happening. And I know it, it might sound confusing, but basically, he was a mentor, someone you looked up to at that time, yeah, and right. you needed that strong male support because yeah. that that's how I see it back then. Right. And he yeah. guided you. And that's why, yeah, and that's why, um, and I'm sorry, this comes off. I feel like I'm kind of like trying to figure out how to say these things because it is a very, um, it's very close to my heart. It, it's a, it's, it was a life-changing moment for me. And there were some traumatic events that happened during this time. Um, but I bring up my father because I feel like as I was moving through life, I was always searching for that fatherly presence like I really wanted to I wanted to work hard I wanted to play football I wanted somebody to guide me and I couldn't say that as a kid that's what I was looking for but I feel like when looking back that's what I was looking for and one one particular thing that 
I was uh, involved with when I was in elementary school, because uh, I don't want to miss this in the chronological setup for this for this intro. There was a there was a, a group on campus. I went to Don Benito High School. I mean, Don Benito High School. I went to Don Benito Elementary School in uh, Sierra Madre, and there was a group on campus called Peace Patrol, and so they were like. They were like the police, but not like you don't take anyone to jail or do anything like that. You just you resolve conflict on the playground. And we had these blue jackets and we walk around the playground. And if, if did you people, start this or this? No, was no, just this was like this was implemented. Yeah, the school had this. That's awesome. I so, need the peace patrol right now. <laughs> I know, right? The world needs a peace patrol. <laughs> exactly Um, bring the beast patrol back right so we walk around with these blue jackets and you if you see any um friction or conflict on the playground you walk up and you're you're with a group of people you walk up and you say hey 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 like what's going on here right and you're like i'm like in third grade right (laughs) and i'm walking around with this clipboard and you go you get one side one person's side of the story you get the other person's side of the story and then you try to come up with a resolution. And if you can't, you know, you go to your supervisor who was, um, I don't know, the dean or the something like that. Duty. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you go to the supervisor, the, the adult supervisor, and just tell them what's going on. And we fill out like we fill out stuff and have reports and all that. Wow, and, that's and, really amazing. Actually, yeah, it was for really real. Cool. I it mean, really, really cool. They don't have that now at most <laughs> yeah. schools. I've never, you know? I've never heard of it anywhere else. But it was it was really cool. And it was something that I felt like I really go based on like how you feel intrinsically. Um, if it, if it brings you joy, like chase that, right. Um, Mel Robbins, I'll mention Mel Robbins a lot. Cause like, I really enjoy listening to her. She says, if something energizes you, that's what it's about. Like chase that, chase something that energizes you. And at that time, that was the first thing in my life that I can remember besides football that I was, that I really enjoyed. And the reason I bring that up is because now what I'm doing is very similar to that. And I'll, and I'll talk about that, but as I was moving through, exactly what you're doing, right. Yeah. (laughs) As I was moving, as I, as I moved through childhood and um, teenage years, uh, I really craved that fatherly presence. And that's what my stepfather became to me um, or was to me for, for those years. And basically there was a point in time where I actually moved in with him and was at first, I just moved in with him and I kept connection with my family, with my mom and my two brothers. And then it came to a point when I was in college, I was playing football. Um, So I have to mention that like my, my whole number one thing was to play football. That's all I wanted to do. And my mom wouldn't let me, she said I was too small, which I was very, very tiny, uh, skinny, scrawny type of type of guy. And not short, though, not short. I was tall and <laughs> scrawny and, and I, I just wanted to play football. That's all I wanted to do. And he helped me. Um, he helped me get that in terms of like getting me a coach, getting me on a schedule, helping me figure out how to gain weight. And that ended up. I ended up earning a scholarship. I went to John Muir High School first, and then I went to Beverly Hills. I entered a scholarship, uh, ended up playing at UC Davis on a full ride scholarship. 
And during that time, I loved football so much. I loved working out. When there were two-a-day workouts, everyone's like, oh, man, we got to do two-a-days. And I was like, are you kidding me? We get to play football? Like, all we got to do is wake up and play football. That's it. Like, this is amazing. And, like, that's how I felt. And it was really, 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 really good. And when I stopped playing football, that's when I was like, where do I go? I kind of fell into not a clinical depression. And we'll get into that on another podcast. There's a difference between people saying, you know, I feel depressed and you actually being clinically depressed. Um, I wasn't clinically depressed, but I was definitely sad and I was grieving football and I didn't know which way to go. Um, At the same time, during college, I lost touch with my mom and my brothers and it was just me and my stepfather. Um, He ended up passing um, in 2013 and that's when um, Amber became like a Amber and her family uh, Big Rick became like a strong support system one of the strong support systems for me and shortly after my stepfather passed I found out that my uh, biological father d- died from suicide in um 2000, I believe it's 2011. I have to check with my family and figure it out. I don't know because we didn't have a relationship, but um, that happened. And as I moved forward trying to figure out what I was going to do, I got into nursing. And the reason I got into nursing is because I reached a point after like, oh, I'm going to be a massage therapist or I'm going to be this. I'm going to be a physical therapist or I'm going to be a personal trainer. And like I went through all these things trying to figure out what it is that I want and what can bring me joy like football. I couldn't figure it out, but I went back to my childhood and two things I wanted to be was either a neurosurgeon or a football player. And the Peace Patrol, I keep that in the back of my mind right now because it's, it's going to come up. Um, yeah. And I was like, I don't want to go to med school. It's too much time. What else can I do? And I decided to go into nursing. And Nursing was, I went to UCLA for nursing school and got my master's there. And when I got out of nursing, it wasn't what I thought it was. I didn't have the joy that I had with football. And when you get a taste of something, for me, when when you get a taste of that joy and it becomes, for a time, football was my job, it's hard to do anything else with that doesn't bring you the same joy. Something in terms of a job where you have to go and you have to show up. And nursing wasn't it. interesting, you also brought up about earlier how you loved when you had that job before you actually became a nurse where you were helping. You were kind of like the Peace Patrol in that mental, (laughs) right? Like it was was in psychiatry or something, right? Like you should say ward, that's not the word, right? Uh, Inpatient facility. Yeah, yeah. Inpatient facility. Sorry, anyone if I said that wrong. It was a... Yeah, I enjoyed, I was looking for, when I was looking for work, I found a job at UCLA on the inpatient facility uh, for psychiatry, and I was actually hired as a secretary, and at that point, I was just like, I just want a job, I just want to do something, and I'll do whatever, I'll sweep the floors, I'll clean the toilets, like, just give me a job, and I also thought about 
going to the military because I couldn't find a job. I was like, man, I went to school for four, four and a half, five years and get out of, um, got my bachelor's degree and I can't find a job. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. And then I saw it when I got hired, I did a job before UCLA, which was working at a, um, assisted living place, but that wasn't fulfilling either, but I just worked, worked, worked. And then I, when I got to UCLA, I got hired as a secretary and I moved into working with patients. Um, I got promoted and that was, it was just, it was fun. I was helping people. I was helping the nurses. I was helping the patients. I know you would always and, you know, call me and tell me like connections <laughs> that was just with the staff or with the person or yeah. There was always somebody, but you were always wanting to connect and right. Yeah. And it was, so you truly was, are was, the peace patrol. Right. You should have followed the, your third grade. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. You're the supervisor now that everyone has to come to. Yeah. That's how you do it. Right. right. You will be that supervisor. And, and that, and that was a good, that was a good spot. So I felt like, okay, working there and I put in a lot of hours and then went through nursing school when I came out. I was like, yo, what is this? I do not. This is like I, I, my first job was in the cardiac ICU, which is one of the all nursing is hard. I want to say that like it doesn't matter where you are. If you're a nurse, you are working a, a difficult job and cardiac ICU is a, a level of difficulty that requires a lot of, out of you and it can it, for me, it was just like so much and I didn't feel the joy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. I enjoy helping people. That's like for sure. But everything else that comes with working in that job, I was just like, man, I don't, I don't know. So I went and I asked people, I was like, are you happy? Do you, do you enjoy what you do? And a lot of people were like, no, I mean, it's a job. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's a job. Like, I don't get that. I come from a place where I loved what I do, which was football. I love, I loved it so much. And how can you say that you're going to do this for the, like, for the, not for the rest of your life, but for the rest of your working life. And you're going to retire from this place and you don't, you barely enjoy it. And you don't like get fulfillment out of it. I don't understand. It doesn't register with me. And so I immediately had an idea of like, okay, I, what's my next thing? Like, it's got to be something. And I thought about quitting nursing, but I was like, no, I spent two years doing a master's program. It was the hardest point in my life, um, in turn academically. And of which I'm writing a book about how to study one day, it would get published. Right. Um, but that was the hardest point in my life. Academically, I worked really hard for two years and I did not want to give that up. Um, so I stuck with it as long as I could. And I thought I wanted to be a nurse anesthetist, which is a CRNA certified registered nurse anesthetist, which is similar to an anesthesiologist. They, they basically, for the most part, they, they work on making you comfortable during your, if you're getting a procedure done, they'll put you to sleep and make sure you're, you're safe. And then they'll wake you back up, make sure you're safe as well. Um, and I applied for school twice to to go into anesthesia but when I got into a a better place in terms of learning about what I want for the long run anesthesia was not it 
it didn't feel it didn't feel like it didn't feel joyful enough for me and going back to the peace patrol that the 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 main theme from peace patrol is what i feel is really joyful for me helping people become their best selves resolve conflicts move through life as seamless as possible that's what i want to do and what does that look like and how can i keep my nursing and still do that and that's how i became um interested and this is all career driven um right now going hearing about your oh sorry no 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 hearing about i think it impacted you as well when you heard that your father um died of suicide right and going into the mental health part of this like knowing that that's your blood that's your history and it made you realize that maybe some of your mental health challenges which maybe you'll go into on a different time as well yeah got you on this journey of where you wanted to help people and really tune into when it is a chemical versus just a word or someone being a little sad where right. it truly is a real thing. And I know for you, you took the seriousness of it so that that's kind of what I think prompted right. you to right. your own mental health stuff, knowing it runs in your family and like taking it serious opposed to just I'm a little sad today. Like you're like, I'm right. legitimately chemically, there's some things I want to fix and I want to help others with that. Right. And that, and I'm glad for you bringing me back on track. Cause that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, in terms of everything, it comes off when we're doing the podcast and we're talking, it comes off. Like I'm, I really want to focus on a lot of the, where I've been and where I'm going in terms of career career is very dear to me like what I do on a daily basis but I have to keep it and I'm and I'm learning as we're this is only episode two but I'm learning like the mental health piece this is this is what we're here for and to bring that to light that first job in nursing I was in Portland and during that time, I've, I knew within the first month, this is not for me. And I felt like, but I also felt like, hey, you got to push through. You got to push through. And so I pushed through. I was in a new environment, new city. I didn't know anyone. I was there for, um, at that time for an ex-girlfriend I had moved for. And she wasn't even there at that time. And I ended up staying there for a year and a half. And when I left, um, I fell into a, a deep depression, an actual clinical depression. And I'm glad, Amber, thank you for <laughs> bringing this up because sometimes I get sidetracked so much on the all the positives. But I, I fell into a clinical depression and we'll do a podcast about that one day, um, about what that all looked like. But so so much so in terms of being depressed that I did have to go seek um, seek help. And I tried, and that's where Amber and Ricky... Um, really, I leaned on them for support. And I got into, I started getting more into meditation and spiritual stuff and trying to figure out, like, how do I get out of this depression? And I ended up going trying lots of different things. Yeah. And I tried, even though I was 
in working in psychiatry, I had experience in psychiatry. I was just like, oh, let me try the natural way, which yeah. is, um, which Go for some gym people, more, take more supplements. I couldn't do and it. Like, yeah, couldn't you it. couldn't even, you were, yeah, you just yeah. went so let's, dark. So I can, I can talk about that too, in terms of what that depression looked like. So it's like, for, for me, what I went through, it was just didn't care about any, did, couldn't feel anything. I couldn't, uh, I was sleeping like 16 hours a day. Uh, my buddy Josh would try to get me out of, like to go to the gym. I had no motivation, no desire to go to the gym I didn't want to go to the grocery store I didn't want to go anywhere I didn't want to go to work I didn't want to do anything and it's this like how I describe it is this brain fog of when when you you know some days when you wake up and you're just like like kind of hazy like you're like kind of hung over or something like that but it's like constant and it won't go away and so I people were starting to notice and I I knew I wasn't feeling right, but I was like, maybe I can try the natural way to do stuff before like getting on meds or going to see a psychiatrist. And I tried it and it didn't work for me. And what me trying it looked like was going to see a naturopathic doctor and him prescribing me supplements and me trying them and them not working. And then him telling me, we just need to try more of it. So I tried more of it. And it's still not working. And he's like, well, if it's not working, we just try more. And I was like, I think we're going in the wrong direction, right? Yeah. And I need a chemical. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I need right something. Chemical. <laughs> I need something. Yeah, so, you, were, you were not good. <laughs> so what I ended up doing finally was I was like, all right, fine. I got to go see a psychiatrist. And at this time, I didn't have health insurance. And that's what that was like difficult to deal with too. So I had to pay out of pocket. I went to go see a psychiatrist. And I tell you, when I went, I had felt, and we, we talk about suicide too, right? There were points where I didn't care if I woke up or not. There were points where I thought about like, let me just go into a bad neighborhood at night and see if something happens because I don't, I don't want to be here right now. Like, I don't see any point to this and that is way different friend yeah it was hard as your friend to watch you go through that and it's way different than who I am right I'm bubbly I'm totally like I have a lot of energy like some people think like when I go out sometimes and where everybody's drinking and I start acting a certain type of way they'd be like how many drinks have you had and like I'm not even I haven't even started yet you know what I mean (laughs) yeah she's got charisma (laughs) right (laughs) So it's like way different on the other end of the spectrum of like who I can be. And so when I went to the psychiatrist before I went, I was like, you know what? I'm going to tell the psychiatrist everything that's ever happened to me and just see what they say. And she was like, yeah, you've been through a lot. You've been through trauma and you're definitely depressed right now. And I'm going to give you this medication. And within for me, for me, just my experience, it doesn't happen to everyone, but for my experience within three days, the brain fog started to change. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is, wow, this is like really helpful for me. Um, And that is when, that is the beginning of my journey in terms of mental health and like, why it's so important to me, because it's literally like that one meeting with the psychiatrist definitely 
changed Changed everything. It changed my life for real. Like it really like saved my life. And moving I think you want to yeah, you're on a quest to be that peace patrol in the mental health right (laughs) platform, you know? Yeah. And after Mm -hmm. that, I I went up and down in terms of like, do I need the medication? I definitely got into therapy. Um at that time, she told me that psychiatrist told me, she said, I'm going to prescribe you this medication, but you have to be in therapy, which I'm like all for. And I, I really appreciate that she did that because I continue to be in therapy now. And it's so helpful. Um, and I've done different stuff. And that's where the morning routine came in. And uh, my fiance, Candace, reminded me, she was like, hey, you did that podcast, but you didn't even you didn't really go into exactly why you started the morning routine and like why you're so um set on it i'm not rigid about it but i'm definitely set on it and she said um and and that's when the pandemic started that's when i really started um diving deeper into the into that routine so and and i've really started to feel my purpose and i feel like this is my purpose in life is mm-hmm. to is to have conversations with people support people help them to become their best selves if they need medication as a psych psych MP, a a psychiatric nurse practitioner, I'll be able to provide medication. If they just need therapy, I'll be able to provide therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that feels, that feels right to me. It feels like joyful to me and and me practicing that and seeing what that looks like. It's like, I'm starting to feel what I felt in the third grade when I was doing peace patrol, I felt great. When I was playing football, I felt great. And the best thing about it is that it's not a struggle like football was for me as as Mm -hmm. I was good at football, but I, I worked my, I had to work so hard to be, to be really good at it. And I don't have to work as hard. I still work very hard because I want to be the best that I can be um, in this role that I'm um, seeking out to be, but I, it's not, it's not so resistant and that that's another podcast too but well I think too Brandon it's beautiful to hear kind of how you summed it all up and how going back I don't even know if you realized about this peace patrol until we got to talk about it again today you know like it it really just it shows full circle and then Mm -hmm. I want to just bring to everyone's attention that it's actually admirable that you kept fighting and, and going through this journey that didn't feel right. Like doing all the different jobs and doing the nursing and like going and living in Portland and the gray skies and the weather that just like so many things contributed to you just knowing something's not right. And it yeah. like took you to the dark side, literally right. I've got pink Floyd on dark side of the moon. <laughs> um, but like you were in the dark side, right? right, and, right. and, but you had to do that to like, here you are, here we are, really feels like, I just feel thankful that we're connected and we're both on our purpose. And that when you're living on your purpose, sometimes you don't know what it is until you get, you arrive, right? right. And you're doing it. So the fact that you're in school and anyway, I think for us, I want to thank you for sharing all of that. And I think you still have a little bit more to say, so carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you were done. Um that that is basically that's that's most of it in terms of what we can fit into one podcast 
um, for my journey. But speaking to how this came to about in terms of the podcast, Amber and I, we would have these conversations just like this conversation we're having right now on the podcast. And they would be so rejuvenating, so fulfilling. And I'm like, I want more of that. Like, that's what I want. And that, and that's basically the whole theme. If you want to talk about themes, um, the theme is what one theme is I really, I really take, or, or like, I'm really in tune with kids in terms of believing that when you're a child, they, they, that's when you have the magical thinking, you think anything can happen. Right. And if given the right environment, you can start to see a kid's natural talent. And the way that we're raised, at, at least in my perspective, the way that we're raised is like, you got to grind, you got to grind. There's got to be that resistance and there will be. But if taking a natural talent is just so much more seamless in terms of going on your path and your purpose. And that's what I had to learn. Um, so that's one theme. Another theme, I don't know, I'm getting lost on the themes, but <laughs> Amber and I had these conversations. We wanted to bring it to a podcast because we think these conversations can help people. It's for me, it's all about helping people become their best selves. And, and also the way that you and I can critique each other or offer yeah. input in a loving way. And the whole reason why we wanted to start this podcast is to start communication for people that's different, that's honest, and really coming from the heart yeah. and being vulnerable, because we have that ability to do off camera, off recording, where yeah. we can just tell everything. I mean, we've had conversations that we're not ready to bring to the podcast yet, Right. But in time, that's what our goal is, is to create this platform that is the space to be the peace patrol, to mm -hmm. allow people to know that there's hard times. And these hard times are what set us up for that morning routine where, you know, if you don't, you're in the dark side. Right. And for me, if I don't either, I am in the dark side. It's when I lean towards trying to escape more or maybe some things that aren't healthy versus facing my heart or the feelings that are a lot where now when you and I, we can talk about it instead of keeping it all inside Yeah, because we know what happens when that happens, we have to escape and it's not in a healthy way always. Right. So, so I think for us, it's the importance of the mind body balance and the soul conversations about all of this, because we need that balance in order to be our best and being that that guide when you start to swing to the other side or i do it's like hey come back it's get yeah. back in the middle you're a little bit out of balance right you need a little bit more of this you need a little bit more of that and that's what our goal is here together is to right. bring that yeah absolutely absolutely i i agree that with that 100 percent and i do believe also that it starts with mental health it, physical health can help with mental health, but I believe that it starts with mental health and the rest will follow. And the mindset, our mind yeah, is everything. Um, and you can't separate the two. 
You can't just you can't just focus on one without focusing on the other. So um, if do you have any any last oh, thoughts or you want to continue? Yeah, no, I think it's just thanks for sharing your story, Brandon. I know we're both vulnerable and even just trying to sum up your life because I know we'll play it back and go, oh, I should have said this or oh, I should have added that in. Or, but the truth is letting it flow and knowing that these words are coming out and if they're meant to be of help to somebody. Um, that's what the goal is here and yeah. it may not be perfect and more will be revealed in time, but that we want to create that space together that is just vulnerable and really helping everybody's mental health and knowing that there's tools out there and that for each person, for you, it looks different. For me, it is different, but yet it's still the main goal is, is keeping our head right with healthy tools. Well said. Well said. <laughs> well, awesome, Brandon. <laughs> Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much for a wonderful conversation. And that's the end of episode two. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thank you.